Hi, everyone. We're joined this week by Suna Lume. She is the co-founder and a scientist with Aja Labs. And we're here this week to talk about STEM and how love is included or not inside of the process of research and development. Listen in, join in, but most importantly, give us some feedback. Hello, everybody. This is Chris, and I'm here with Maggie. And welcome to another episode of Love as a Business Strategy. Um, I am subbing in for Jeff as the host, and I have a special guest with us today, and her name is Suna. And Suna is a very different guest because we went to college together. Yes, we did. Yes, Yes, we did. We roamed the D.C. streets. But we won't get into that. We'll keep that between ourselves. We don't need our business out there. Um, but in addition to, you know, being college alum together, uh, Suna has gone on to do some great things across STEM. So she is a scientist and she has done amazing things across pharmaceutical research. In addition to that, she is a co-founder of Aja Labs. But Suna, let's get into it. So would you mind telling everyone more about you and what you're doing and and sort of how you've gotten to this point? Yeah, um, I guess everything always starts with like how you grow up. Um, But my father was a civil engineer and architectural type person. He worked on a lot of like wastewater management stuff. Uh, Education was so key to him. So um, the only reason why he was able to come here was because he did come on a student visa, but he was sponsored to get his PhD out here. So for us, it's always the example of our parents, both my mom who came on a nursing visa. Um, It's through education and through skills that you find better opportunities. My parents are from Sierra Leone, West Africa, and they were really like able to, you know, live you know, pieces of the American dream, I guess that way by by raising kids out here. And with that though, came, comes the other side of it where it's just like doctor, lawyer, or engineer, like those are your options. <laughs> um, but I actually really did like math. Um, I liked math and then I came to love physics. And I think that's that's why when I came to GW, with Chris, uh, it, it was it was either we were not I, in the same classes. No, no unfortunately, I know. Right? Like she was way smarter than I was. Like, girl, I'm. Not, uh, I can pretend. I'm in the business school. I'm in the business school. Smart though, um, yeah. but yeah. So I, I I got into engineering. I I did biomedical engineering in undergrad, but my my mom really inspired uh, that direction because she would had been diagnosed with cancer. Um, when I was in middle school and like she had gone into remission a couple times, but like going into college, I I had this mindset where like I, I was going to find a cure like for cancer, all of them. <laughs> that was yeah, that was yeah. my note. But then early on, I was just like, I don't think I can go to med school, but I can leverage this whole math math obsession um, and find out if I could do like diagnostics, early diagnostics, early detection. So that that was really like my driving force coming into my young adulthood. Um, early on, I was able to snag a role entry level, which was like actually looking back, of course, like it was just perfect. Um, but I worked for a like mid-sized biotech that had just gotten bought up by a large pharma company. And yeah, through there, I, I just did a lot of diagnostics, learning how to do assay development is what you, you can call it. So it was just like really learning what comes at the intersection of technology enablement. And then also like, what can we do in the medical field with 
these discoveries and these new innovations. And so like that, that became like my driving force for a long time in my early career. Um, and then I kept, you know, moving up, moving on, joined a bigger pharma that had more resources. And I slowly shifted, I guess I, I came in an environment where it, so much of the business side was exposed to me. And I, I kind of caught the business bug, which is why I'm just like, yeah, I mean, if you catch that bug early, it's it's a beautiful thing to have where you, you kind of understand business and, and how things become sustainable systems. Um, but yeah, in that experience at this larger pharma company, like I, I started not getting less less interested in the science, but I just met these amazing minds that had all these ideas that, you know, you know, you're working for a large big pharma company. It's it's pretty pretty much corporate America, but in a science and R and D context. And so like my my next phase obsession became how do I create platforms and vehicles for to get some of these ideas visible within the company. But then like, you know, what what's beyond that? How do you really like impact and how do you how do I really go from like, I think this person has a solution. I think this other person has this part of the solution. How do you create something new? And so like that became my my tippy toe into entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, through a, a couple of a lot of learning failures and a lot of big wins. Um, I was just like, I got to go to business school now because I think I reached my peak <laughs> internally and now I got to start doing this externally. And so that's where I got into like the startup scene, um, especially out here in Atlanta, just meeting more and more founders, people who who really do want to uh, contribute to innovation and technology development, all the STEM fields and like just trying to make this world a better place. And I'm just like, I, I see myself working in this context. What are your ideas? Let's create. Let's let's build these business ventures um, because everything runs on money. This is our reality of today. Um, but how do you how do you really find ways to go from an idea to not just a business and an executable product or service, but then like really taking it further to like, OK, we say we want to impact these certain areas. Well, how do you make that so efficient and then also sustainable so that it grows in a way that really can impact the community? And so that that's kind of like where where all my interest has been, like finding these these brilliant minds who have all these solutions and then taking them through the processes that I've seen and and through connections that I've seen, any kind of partnerships I can forge to just see 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 this thing be implementable and like change communities. So that's that's how to where's the the community and the business and the impact. Nice. So that that's where that's that's how I came to be here. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, now that you are here, I love seeing the sort of intersection of business, community, and impact. What's your current, like, either community or initiative that you really want to see impact in, right? Um, yeah. And what's happening there? Well, okay, so so you all know, like I started in healthcare, which is, you know, based on our current healthcare system in the US, it is very slow moving because you're dealing with life and death. Um, recently, like post um, business school, I did get more into, you know, the, the digital health, kind of like the information, how do we get information out there? How do we educate 
the masses about their own health? How do we make sure that it's relevant and culturally uh, appropriate uh, given where someone is? You always wanna meet the patient where they're at. Um, again, still very slow, a lot of hurdles. And up until recently, um, our current founder, Osahan Ojiega, like she had this uh, more commercial a product, um, consumer product idea, where she's trying to create um, hair. We're basically like creating a consumer product that's just made out of healthier materials, which is better for not only like the human wearing it, but it also for the planet. And so a, a kind of light bulb turned off because at first I was just like, oh, this ain't my area. It's not healthcare. Uh, this ain't me. Let me go find. Let me go find you some some more talent who works in this kind of space. But then you know, taking a step back, I'm just like one. Uh, when you work in like the consumer markets, it's faster adoption. Um, also, I think you get to come at a different angle because it's not life and death. Although, uh, as we did a lot of research and we're taking like a scientific approach to create all these new fibers, we are understanding how much impact on your actual health comes from products that are just composed of materials and uh, substances that are just not good for you. Like actually will have a healthcare impact on your continued use, like if you continue to use it. So it's it's almost like putting it into context where I'm realizing like I, I could work on the end that cures something that's already happening, but I also have the opportunity right now to work on something that you know gets you ahead of it and creates an alternative that's healthier for the human being so that you don't have to worry about, you know, endocrine disruption. You don't have to worry about inhaling all these um, adverse chemicals that, that are leaching off of the products that we're consuming. And I think like when it comes to environmental justice, um, I was honestly never somebody who put like the environment, I, that wasn't my soapbox. I was always about like civil rights and, and justice and, and equity, right? Um, but honestly, coming into the space of planetary health, you just realize like the communities that get most affected by, you know, um, climate change and just like environmental hazards are the very communities that suffer civil rights injustices. And you you kind of understand that it's like systemic. So the space I'm in now is is really like creating a better consumer product that I know impacts so many, especially like black women. Mm -hmm. um, when you talk about hair and hair care, like just trying to create a product that informs as as you wear it and you use it, like makes people think. It's almost like the mm -hmm. day fast food restaurants started putting the nutrition the nutrition on the thing. Now you now you have to kind of be aware <laughs> of the decisions you're making. So that yeah. that's that's kind of the approach that we're taking. Like do we, we have never been in control of the market, so. It, it, and by we, it's like the end user. It's always coming from other cultures who aren't really familiar with the nuances of how we use these products. And we just want to present an alternative that really keeps the end user in mind. If people always want to uh, quote like Chris Rock, but it, it's it's just like now there's so many more things from when he made his documentary about good hair, like it has grown and ballooned so much. So, I mean, in the context of just like uh, the African-American community um, and the spending, um, it has now crossed over to everybody. Like you see a lot of, honestly, it's, it's, it's our, we're in the new video 
Instagram age, Zoom age, mm -hmm. driving us. Like, it's very hard for me not to look at myself as I'm talking, you know, <laughs> at the same time until I'm just like yeah. used to it. But yeah, but it, it it puts you in a position where you're constantly evaluating, you know, how you look. But the hair industry definitely has has benefited from that, especially during the pandemic, um, as people became more, I guess, uh, they had more time to invest in, you know, and in ways to enhance how they're coming off. Um, there's lots of things driving the market. So right now it's yeah. about $7 billion a year. That's wow. the size of it. Wow. Uh, I think it's like 51, 52% is comprised of the human hair market, which is also the sourcing of that is very questionable, problematic, and uh, at worst it is, you know, human rights violating. Um, mm. Uh, but, and then the other part of the market, like uh, just sub 50% is synthetic hair. And this is, these are composed of products that are manufactured using, you know, um, high emissions, um, uh, honestly devastating whole regions in other countries just because of the, the context, the manufacturer of producing these, just the chemical exposure. Um, and then those, those products have to be packaged and sent over here to the U.S. in which um, typically, you know, those chemicals are still on there and leaching off as you wear it. Um, so, yeah, so it's a it's a huge industry with not a lot of oversight as of today. Um, mm -hmm. And but there, you know, like I said, it's it's not one in which I think the end user um, women and especially women of color have really we it, there has been no innovation for decades. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I, what you're seeing now is one, the awareness of the contributions to, you know, negatively impacting the environment, but then also understanding how it ties into women's health or anyone who we really wears these. Um, yeah. And like Chris said, like people be dropping bags like uh, on this product, <laughs> like if, and I was never one, I think I think I always leave it to my um, stylist because I wear braids. Um, I always leave it to my stylist to buy the hair. Um, but, you know, upwards of like 2000 a pop and people will spend wow. that at, yeah. like two to three times a year. Really interesting. Um, yeah. So going into like R&D STEM, male dominated, um, a lot of the seats that are held up top are are men. Um, but what's funny about, you know, when I, when you keep it specific to like health and healthcare, what you find is a lot of the drivers of the market are women. Um, they are the chief science officers of their homes. Um, they, they're usually the first line of, to be engaging with doctors who will say yes or no to a new drug or whatever, whatever. So it's, it, it, it is a conundrum, I think, um, especially even in that when I see like in the hair industry or in the beauty industry, because yeah, the end users are always women, but usually what you see is the decision makers are men. And I think um, me, myself coming up, I will say like, I think I've been very fortunate. Um, I guess to, it's like 50-50, I think, um, because like I said, I've always had male supervisors. I've had one female supervisor, but um, the male supervisor, it's like 50-50. Um, there's some who really appreciate your input and there's just gonna be people out there who genuinely have a mission, a personal mission to elevate good minds and great minds that will contribute. Cause it's like, it's kind of like this mentality, like if you eat, I eat. 
And if I have the best team around me, we're all going to eat very, very well. And mm -hmm. and I've, I've noticed that some of my best mentors are actually like white males. Um, and it's just because they have access, right? They have privilege, they understand it, but then they also have this secondary mind, which is like, I don't care what you look like. If you show me you can do the work, if you show me that you're you're dedicated to this, if you make me look good, <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I will I will give you what I know. And, and that's where I, I felt like a lot of growth for myself. And that's not to say like, um, especially black women who have like hyped me up and, and been there when I've, I've gone through phases of my career where it does get overwhelming and you do get discouraged. They are there. I just think it's just strictly because of the lack of access that they can give, they could mentor me and coach me the same way that people who do have all that access and can see a bigger picture that some people are, are less likely to be a part of. Um, it, it's something that I, I, I just have to acknowledge. Like I, I'm just very grateful uh, that I met those. Um, along with the ones who will dismiss me as soon as they see me. So that's, that's just, it's just, it's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. And, and that's cool because there's always going to be some, if you keep your eyes open and your head right, you're always going to find the ones who, who really want to help you be your greatest and will give you what they know because they know you, you almost become an extension of their own legacy. So mm. that's really nice. cool. You were talking about earlier about how just the lack of innovation there is in, in the hair industry in general. And I was just, I was thinking about that a lot because I, I feel like just in the beauty industry, it's relatively new to like care about natural products. And that's kind of surprising yeah. to me. Um, but I was just wondering like your thoughts on like, what do you think needs to happen in order to create more innovation in these industries that are that the fee the end user is female, um, yeah. and why do you think that is? Well, one <laughs> more female founders. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, honestly, like more more emphasis on like just uplifting those who have ideas and solutions. Um, I I can't not emphasize enough like how important when when you start discussing like diversity, inclusion, and equity, how important it is to really just understand like. Yes, you want to be included, but when it comes to belonging, it does not mean that you should cast off your individuality because your story and your path and your journey, and mind you, everyone's is different. And I think where a lot of us are missing out on amazing innovation is when people keep, people try to go with the stream and be something they're not or adopt something that's not them and they forget like how unique their own path is. So I think especially for women in the beauty industry, these are products that have typically been created and guessed at by people who are not us, right? Mm -hmm. And what you're finding now and what's what's amazing about what's going on now is that individually, I think we're all being inspired to really tap into what makes us different, to tap into our, our pain points and understand like, you know, with the internet, which is its own beast can also be a very positive space to, to almost realize that what you're suffering through or, you know, anything that has impacted you in a negative way that you think you have a solution for, you're probably gonna somehow find your corner of the internet that's gonna be like, actually, yeah, I do that too. And then now you have to, you know, you val validate your idea and then try and turn it into a real solution. Um, I, I really do think it's just like, everybody investing in their own leadership development. And also like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a proponent. I, you don't have to go to business school, but just to understand how businesses 
work operate and why they why they're sustainable and why they can go on to create these multi-billion dollar entities. Like what does it what does it go into? You might be an accountant, you might be a scientist, you might be a, I don't know, a, a public health official. But if you don't understand like your industry and, and how it's sustainable, then it's very difficult to bring and make changes um, for yourself and then also like your communities. And so yeah, to your question, it, it really is just like promoting informing and educating ourselves, valuing ourselves, valuing our, our journeys. And then like also just really like, um, yeah, honoring that in a way that you know how that fits into the future you want to see. And just listening to you talk, like it's, it's bringing to light, like the fact that in STEM, there's still this sort of, even though we're solving issues that deal with humans, there's still a lack of humanity in certain spaces where we're not considering humans at all, yeah. right? Like if, if we're creating these products that are hurting humans, either knowingly or unknowingly, like it's just, it's very interesting. Like, cause I've, I've always thought like, you know, you hear medicine and you hear these, you know, pharmaceutical things and you hear people making consumer products and you just always assume that everybody's doing what's right by yeah. The consumer and you know no squeaky not. wheel gets the oil and by squeaking i mean like money <laughs> money drives <laughs> a lot of decisions everywhere everywhere and, and it's it mm -hmm. i was actually just uh talking with another founder and her product while it is so necessary um she makes uh, artificial eyes for for um prosthetics and it's just like, you know, finding where the money would actually allow her to serve the populations around the world that really need this. Uh, that's that's the hurdle. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it you know, even coming from pharma, you see like different disease states. What's behind whether they make this decision or that decision is just like, but look, a lot has to go into, into actually getting through a process of drug development and then getting it approved. That's all costly. Can it be sustained? Um, you know, there's only but so many Mark Cubans, right, who who have these ideas of just like, look, we're just going to go out there and give the people what they need. And, and somehow it's going to be viable. But really, money, money drives a lot of decisions. And, and it, it's it's the reality that we live in. But it, it there's always a way, especially when you, again, can lean on your community and get people to kind of look at things very differently and come up with a solution. There's always a solution, I, I feel. I think the way life works is that every generation has a contribution that presents or opens up op options. And I just think that like what comes next in the industry is more alternatives, alternatives that are really putting the end user that experience at the forefront. Like what, what are people using hair for? What, how do, when do they use this hair? What kinds of hair? And like, you know, in this new kind of like hopeful, hopefully a wave of interest in science and technology and materials science, like you, you hope that the presence of companies like ours in this space will also inspire other people who think completely differently, but also have come up somehow with a different solution. And it's just like even better. So really like, and this is kind of how I see like the sciences is, is just like really it's, it exists to continuously inspire more and more because through one generation or one, one stage of progression, you are keep getting the interest of new minds 
who think completely different. And Gen Z scares me, but they're also like so terrific. <laughs> yeah, they, they're so amazing and and innovative. They look they look at life differently. And sometimes I'm just like, y'all need to live a life. And then you know they come back with like, we already lived it uh, through y'all and YouTube. So we're we're on to the next. And so I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, you're probably right. I don't know, I, like the things that you're gonna come up with, because you know, our age, you know, we gave we gave the the internet like community, you know, and, and it's just like, yeah. look at how it's evolving. And, and I just see like science that way. I see every industry that way. The beauty industry is, is no different. Like, I just feel like people will take it and create. So I can't predict because I think we're the most innovative in that space <laughs> right now, but, uh, but that's, there's so much more to come from Aja Labs, but yeah, that, that's, that's really like my personal philosophy, but I think it plays out. It has played out. So, no, I appreciate that. I think that's a, a good way to look at things. And so um, I would love for you to give a piece of advice to our listeners. So I'm sure there are, are many, especially women, let's talk to women right now who are either thinking about starting a business, thinking about like starting something that could be STEM related. Um, what would you tell them to start, do, change, be, yeah. you know, yeah. dream? Um, if they are listening or watching right now and are sort of nervous about taking that first step or don't know what to mm -hmm. do. Yeah, um, I think it goes back to like this concept of like coming into yourself. I think it all starts with, a, like it's very difficult, I think, to pr pursue an idea or bring it to life if, if you don't have a certain level of confidence in yourself and in your own personal journey. So I think more the first thing I would tell anybody, especially women who are looking to pursue a venture or an idea that they have or a solution is like really own everything about your experience that brought you to being even aware of that problem to the point where you have an idea. Like it, it's, it's so valid. It is so valid. It's so valid. And in today's time, like, you, you know, that you can look up any product that's out there. Some of them are ridiculous, but they are a, a thriving business. And it's because somebody believed in their vision so much so that they built the right narrative. They found the right customers. They were understanding. They were deeply embedded into the problem. They either felt it or they were exposed to it. And I just feel like women, we for so long, it's, it maybe have been like a multi-generational conditioning, but you know, everything, a lot of the stuff that we consume hasn't been made by us. And so it, how, how adequate is it anymore? Like it, it, it could be a system, a service or a product, like, but without my own personal walking through it and understanding like, man, I wish, I wish this whole grip was different. Okay. I just had an idea. Like, can I, can I actually <laughs> trademark or, or copyright this, this, a new design for something, you know, and then mm -hmm. make money out of it? Like a lot of people do. So it's, really it's like owning owning who you are and owning what you what you feel is valid in life and mm -hmm. you you have that potential to like really create and so yeah just create off of something that's very authentic that's that's my advice just create i think what i'm hearing from you is self love and loving yourself loving your story yeah. loving who you are is the best way mm -hmm. to launch into any a new initiative, venture, idea, yeah. relationship, you know, yeah. personal, professional, right? But just 
knowing that you are worth something and your background, no matter how flawed, problematic, or for you, you know, um, um, unimpressive you think it might be, yeah. it's worth something and it, it can really lead to success, right? Yeah. And it's a part of who you are and taking that with you everywhere you go is always going to be the, the biggest sort of differentiator that you have in a room or Absolutely. in a conversation yeah. or in a, in a company. It is because it's it's that conviction, I think. Um, and when I talk about like some of my great mentors, uh, the women and men both, it, it, you that's who you also want mentoring you. Someone who yes. who's that confident in themselves, because you, you start to realize, like, when you start feeling it for yourself, those types of people are going to come to you because they want to know, because that's just how that mindset works. And yeah. you'll you'll find a lot of support. You'll find a lot mm -hmm. of support. So it, it, you may not even know what the next step is, but you'll probably be attracting a lot of people who, who are convinced of your story, uh, yes. who, who do know what your next step should be. Love it. Well, Suna, again, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a very enlightening episode. I appreciate your time and your candor and your wisdom. Um, for those listening, this is Love as a Business Strategy. We release episodes weekly. Um, we appreciate the listens. If you have any feedback, any suggestions, or you just want to say hi to me, you know, nobody else, please reach out to us. <laughs> just kidding. You can, talk to other, you can talk to other people. You can say hi to them too. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I love fan mail. Um, but uh, we have, <laughs> we have, if you have ideas, if there's a topic that you think we should be discussing, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can find, find us at loveasabusinessstrategy.com, um, as well as on any of the major podcast um, tools that you might be listening to. So again, thank you so much, Suna. And oh, it's been you. real. And good morning, thank good you. evening, and good night. All right. <laughs> thank you so much.